I just really love them. And so I said to him, there'll be a prize for the best picture. But you know what? They're all fantastic. So I'd like to see if Taylor Eubanks is here. Linda's going to hand out a little prize to you all if you're here. Taylor Eubanks, is she here? Kaylee Gannon, Kira Gannon, Kinsey Gannon, if you'd like to come up. Hannah Gott, Ruth Lively. Okay, and the boys, Remington Eubanks, Tyler Keener. Here's my young man. Cadence Lively. Lucas Lively. Super. That's it. Thank you. I think we should give him a round of applause. Ah, Linda. Okay. Less than a month ago, our community suffered the loss of um, one of our corrections officers, and the funeral was held here. God has been... Last week, Linda and I were down at a marriage retreat, and it was fantastic. It was like everything in America, done 100%. It was unbelievable. There was over 500 people there. It was uh, pretty sad to watch, though. Um, we saw a lot of people crying, either the male was crying or the female was crying. Um, it looked like they had got to a point, this was their final stop, they had to try and save their marriage, but at least they did. Um, there were pre-marriage there as well, which I thought was fantastic. What a conference to be at to learn about things. But it was, it was incredible. The speakers were very well experienced. One man had been in marriage counseling for 30 years. He had an amazing talk. Um, and it was both husband and wife up the front sharing, very transparent, very open, and the tools and resources, they're not peddling books. They're trying to equip you, enable you. These people have written their life stories in these books and hire for you to live out of marriage. And the reason Linda and I wanted to go, we wanted to know if, just to be sure, because we have a passion for marriages. My family was divorced, and uh, I still go through that with my mom and dad and trying to get to visit with them, and it's, it's terrible, it's awkward. And I don't want to see any marriage fail, and I want to save marriages. I want to be uh, involved, so does Linda. But we want to be sure we, what we've done in our marriage with each other and our boys, it's right. It meets the culture of America. Like in Ireland, men don't get married normally until about 40, and they marry 30-year-olds. They live with mom for a while, so there was a cultural difference there. So I wanted to see what was different in America, and there wasn't. The seminar is fantastic. They say something, and then they have a scripture. And they went through the gospel, and they shared how God tells us to live a life married to one another, to become one flesh. And so we were, our confidence was built up. We feel that we should pursue this, and both of us at the same time felt the Lord leading us to buy this uh, one-day course called The Art of Marriage. I think that's a great name for it, not counseling or anything like that. And so we're in the not too distant future, we want to put this together and offer the married couples if they want to come to our house for the day. And uh, we'll take you through a marriage course. We'll be very transparent about our marriage in Christ in our lives, what we've done with our boys. Um, I think it's important. It's huge. Marriages are under a massive attack.
But I want to share a little story about what happened. So we prayed about going on this marriage retreat because it's pretty expensive. Uh, Josh told me about I might be able to get a scholarship. So I applied for that. They didn't come back to me. And a week before it was coming, Linda and I said, you know what, if we don't get that, well, we're not meant to go. But we kept praying about it, and I did get the call. I did my interview, my test, and I passed, and I got the scholarship. But we still had to pay our way for the hotel and fuel. So we chose Wichita, Kansas. So we headed off on the road, and I kept saying to Linda, are we out in Nebraska yet? She went, nope. <laughs> wow. Kept on driving. Are we out in Nebraska? Nope. Wow. Kid. I mean, this is one big country you guys live in. Sure. It was a long ways down to Wichita. But we get there and we're checking in and there's just hundreds of couples standing there waiting their turn. We get there and the guy does, doesn't tell us what's going on. He just says, can I have your card please for incidentals? So I said, sure. You have my debit card. So we don't have a credit card yet. So he swiped it and he said, oh, sorry, it's been denied. So everyone turns around and looks at us. <laughs> so Linda says, well, try mine. It's the same account. So her debit card swiped, came back, no, sorry, denied. So I looked around, and this guy was going, great start you're having, you know. So it was kind of awkward. Then Linda realized, well, looking through our purse, because we didn't know what to do. She found an Irish credit card, which we hadn't cut up yet. So we tried that, and it worked. And then they gave us a room with two single beds in. I thought, oh, awkward, you know. What am I going to do now? So we were really upset, and I was starting to say, God, why, why is it all going wrong now? I don't know, this is embarrassing, and, you know, and the guy told me in, on the phone call, you know, you've got to be romantic, you've got to be thinking about your wife and plan it well, and I told Linda, I got this all planned, and it was falling apart. And so, we phoned our bank manager here in uh, Scotts Bluff to ask what worth went on, well, they had, were trying to charge us way more than I budgeted for. So, I again prayed and said, God, you know, this is really awkward, what do we do to be able to continue this? And we thought, well... Let's go downstairs and try and talk to them about this. And in the meantime, I phoned and said, is there any chance to upgrade to get a bigger bed and a nicer room? And so they said, for $25 more? Sure. So I said, well, I'm going to have to take this. So I did. And we went downstairs and we found a different person at the, t- at the counter, a young lady, and she said, can I help you? And so I told her that our cards were denied. And, you know, I budgeted for this, really, I do. And, you know, and the other guys around behind me looking at me, yeah, right. And so she said, well, let's have a look-see. And they said, but did they tell you about this? Did they tell you about that? And I said, no, they didn't. Oh, I'm really sorry. Well, we charge these extra things until you check out. So it really added up. And she said, I'll tell you what, can I give you a complimentary drink at the bar? So I said, no, that ain't going to help. So she said, how about a breakfast? And I said, that would be great. And she's typing in and she says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a breakfast every single day you're here. And that's $32 a day for the both of us. So I thought, oh, thank you, Lord. And then she said, um, and I'm going to throw in free Wi-Fi for you so you can stay in contact with your kids. I said, well, that's really great. And then I said, by the way, I phoned to have an upgrade, and they said it's $25 more. And she said, no, you know what we're going to do? We're going to drop that charge. You can have the executive suite at the same price as the other room. So the reason I'm telling you this story, because as soon as it, that all happened and we got our keys, these two verses came to my mind from reading through the Bible. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, and it's, this is um, Joseph, and it's it, talking to his brothers. He says, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. Okay? The other verse that came to mind was Judges 14, 4. 
And this is Samson's, Samson's parents who know they've got a special child, but the way he's carrying on is confusing them. And, and they say, however, his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, for he was seeking an occasion. And you know how Pastor Jake stands up here, if you don't mind me, Pastor Jake, he, uh, he does this. You know, and as I, those two verses came, you know what I saw is Pastor Jake doing this, the fingerprints of God all over this. He allowed that to happen to Phil, Linda, and I to show his fingerprints all over this. I am here with you. He created the situation to bring a present result. And then he was seeking an occasion to remind Linda and I, I am with you. I'm in control. Just watch. And so we did, and the weekend was fantastic. We prayed to meet somebody, a new person, make a new friend, and we did right at the end. And Linda happened to notice him wearing the same purple shirt, and she said when we were sitting down, see that guy? He keeps wearing the same purple shirt every day. Guess who came over to talk to us? The guy with the same purple shirt. They were a lovely couple and everything. And so they invited us to lunch. Now the night before is a date night. So I thought, I have this in the bag. Linda likes Italian. So I found an Italian restaurant, logged it in my GPS thing in the car, and we headed off. And we kept heading off. And next thing, it felt like I was in the Bronx. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There were homeless people. It was rough. It was getting scary. I thought, this is a great date night I'm having here. <laughs> so Linda said, let's get out of here. Let's just go to uh, Olive Garden. So we landed up in Olive Garden with a 45-minute wait. And not so romantic. But... I again prayed and said to the Lord, I'm not really good at this romantic stuff. I need your help. Well, this couple, when they invited us to lunch, they said, what would Linda like to eat? And I said, well, she likes Italian. And then they looked at each other like, wow, really? Would you like an eight-mile drive? So I said, whatever. So we jumped in the car, and they drove us for eight miles to this most amazing restaurant. It felt like we were in Italy. It was called Luciano's. The owner speaks Italian. His waitresses speak Italian. All the food is imported from Italy. The smell, the... Oh, it, and they took us through the menu. We started at 1. We left at 5.30. And uh, it just was the best date I had. I had to share it with another couple, but we, we got some good friends. So let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that we are a part of a bigger plan, a plan that shows people that you are a sovereign God, a holy God, a loving God, who demonstrates his love by sending his son to set us free of sin so that we can see God's glory all around us, to see your fingerprints all over our lives. Father, we ask that you will speak through me to give me clarity so that we all understand your will for our lives and to learn how to live it out, live out your teachings to bring glory to your name and to help others see your son in us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've seen how Jesus has been saying, follow me. And then I came across this little quote, and I'm not sure from who. It says, following Jesus will make your life better. And will make you better at life. Think about that. Following Jesus will make your life better. And will make you better at life. And that is a fact. If we listen carefully to God's word and start trying to ask him to help us apply it to our lives, change us in every way, we become better at living this life here. 
When I read about the disciples walking away from everything and following Jesus, when it says there, they just gave up everything. They immediately followed Jesus. For years, I used to say, wow, and how? How could they just do that? And for years, I was sitting there hearing these sermons over and over, and I kept saying, wow, isn't that incredible that they would just pack up everything? Look at these disciples' lives. They were businessmen. They were busy. They had family. And that they just pack it up and follow Jesus. And I think we all struggle with this. It is the wow when we read God's Word, but we ask the question, well, how do you do that? How is that possible? Well, I can tell you the wow, you will see if you just do it. When you just be obedient to God, you will go, wow, that is incredible. The how, He doesn't really tell you, but you will always be saying, how do you do that? The mystery of the supernatural power of what the Holy Spirit can do in and around your life is just amazing. It's incredible. But to get the wow, you have to do it. You have to have faith. Following Jesus is an amazing journey. It is exciting because He is alive and He lets you see His fingerprints all over your life. He is going where you go. He has set your pace. He promised that He will never leave us or forsake us. He says He has gone before us. He has made our path straight if we will follow Him. This is all planned out. And it does work if you're willing to follow Him. The Scriptures also tell us that. And this is important because as we look at what we're going to look at today, you need to remember this. It says, All Scriptures is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that's what we're here today to look at the Word of God for Him to equip us, enable us to do what He wants us to do. It also says in Peter, For no prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And remember, Luke has been investigating this. He has been led by the Holy Spirit to investigate everything. Be very careful, as he said, run chapter 1. And recorded this from many witnesses who saw Jesus and heard Him speak. So we're looking at the Word of God. Um, and it's the truth. And it will change our lives and change our marriages. Anything we're facing, we've got to know that God has the power to fix I spoke to my mom on Friday, and she said to me, Wayne, do you know what the Bible stands for? So I said, no, mom, tell me. So she said, basic information before leaving earth. That's pretty cool. So she said, son, get out there and give them that basic information before they leave earth. So let's dive into God's word here. And we'll see in this passage, we see Jesus telling his disciples what life looks like from a heavenly perspective from his perspective, and what being blessed looks like. For them and for us, we will see this. Also known as the Sermon on the Mount, or Beatitudes. I was in the shower this morning thinking about, I never thought about that word, Beatitudes. And as I kept saying it over and over, it came to my mind, this be your attitude. Let this be your attitude. Let this be a beautiful attitude. As we look at these verses just now. This was probably the shorter version. 
And Jesus is giving us a description of what it means to have a life of blessings. But for the most Jewish people at this time, the word blessings invoked images of a long life, wealth, a large healthy family, a full barn, and defeated enemies all around them. God's covenant with Israel did include such material and physical blessings. We see that as we read through Deuteronomy. The Old Testament, we see that God taught them and disciplined. So you remember it says, if you do this, then I will do that. If you don't do this, then this is what I will do to you. So there's rewards and there is punishment if you do not follow his path. Jesus is bringing a new covenant. And the people will have to accept the change and to change their ways as well. They need to mature in understanding God's word so that they can move on. This sermon Jesus was giving applies to life today and describes the kind of godly character we actually need to have. We should have as believers in this world today. What Jesus focused on is on the attitude of the heart towards circumstances we face with God, with people, ourselves as well. Jesus places emphasis on the faith in God, love towards others, honesty with ourselves, and obedience towards God. So look with me now, if you will, at verse 20 through 23. And he says, And turning his gaze towards his disciples, he began to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Verse 23, be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. Blessed means be happy. When it was used in the Old Testament, the word Baurak, when applied to God, it has the sense of praise. When used of man, it denotes to a state of happiness. In the New Testament, uh, the New Testament equivalent in Greek is Makarios. And in pagan Greek literature, it described the state of happiness and well-being such as the gods enjoyed. Also in the New Testament, it gives a strong spiritual content as revealed in the Beatitudes and elsewhere in the Bible. The word seems to also contain a congratulatory element. Looking in Weymouth's New Testament, it suggests people who are blessed may outwardly be much to be pitied. But from the higher and therefore truer standpoint, they are to be envied, congratulated, and imitated. How about that? So think about those verses. Have a look at them there in front of you. What Jesus is saying. Life was difficult for the people at this time, and there was much needed hope for change of their circumstances. Like people today, many of them thought that happiness came from great possessions or holding a high position or having a great savings account or a lot of money generally. 
Well, imagine how surprised they were when they heard what Jesus was saying. When he shared. I used to look at that and I just couldn't get my head around. How could I be blessed if I am poor? How can I be blessed if I am hungry? And I can see it in some of your faces today. This is happiness. It doesn't make any sense, does it? This is just the opposite of what I was brought up to believe, and I'm sure the opposite to you today, and even what the world advertises around. I realized as I read this over the week, I think it reminded me of how important our relationship with God has to be, and how dangerous things can creep back in your life. No amount of things can substitute for a personal relationship with God. Nothing. You see, God's emphasis is on the heart condition here and not on the outward circumstances. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the way he is saying we're to live. This is what it takes. In this passage, we see Jesus giving instructions, future promises, He talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about rewards, promises, and also woes, which are warnings for us. So he's basically saying, if you look at those verses, you are to be happy if you are poor. For yours is the kingdom of God. He's saying, be happy if you are hungry. For you shall be satisfied. Be happy if you cry now, for you shall laugh. Be happy when men hate you, ostracize you, insult you, scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Verse 23, he says, Be in that day and leap, be glad in that day and leap for joy. Why? Because your rewards are great in heaven. How hard can this be? Is it making any sense? It's hard, isn't it, to get a grasp of this. And the best is still to come, is what he's saying. Your rewards will be great in heaven. It made me go back to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. And it reminded me again, this is my favorite verse, to drive me forward. Trust in the Lord... With all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will, bring, it will be healing to your body and refresh your bones. Verses 9 and 10 leads into our next verses. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So let's look at verses 24 through 26. It says, But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Warnings to the rich 
well-fed, who laugh and are popular. What is God trying to say here? What is Jesus saying here to us? Is it wrong to be rich, to be well-fed, to enjoy life and laugh and have joy, to be popular? No, He's not. If you know how to handle this, have the right attitude towards this. Are you honoring God with your wealth? Are you honoring God with what you have in sharing your food? Inviting those who could never invite you back to have a meal with you? Are you honoring and giving to the, and doing everything to the glory of God? See, these people that he's woeing to are not. Christians are to live with eternity values in mind, in view, and not worldly values. In contrast, in the, new, in the Bible commentary it says, in contrast with the disciples who had given up everything to follow Jesus, they are the people who would refuse to give up anything to follow Him. This is who He's talking to. People that were strong in holding on that their wealth and way they have come through life is all they need. I have studied really hard. I have worked at this. I set this business up. I am really successful at what I do. I am good at this. That is not honoring God. That is not even believing that God has enabled you to be able to be good at that. These were the rich, the well-fed, the ones who laughed, who were popular. They did not understand the gravity of the situation which confronted them. They refused to follow the one who could bring them into the kingdom. And therefore Jesus pronounced the woes on them. These woes were the exact reversal of their temporal benefits. And they are the exact opposite of the blessings and rewards Jesus' followers were told about, as we read earlier in verses 20 to 23. Paul tells Timothy, he says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of the riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. On God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. If we understand that and we are really grateful for how God has equipped some of us. It's not wrong to be very rich and successful and be popular. As long as you understand who is at the center of all of that. And Paul also says to him, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. That which is life indeed. So, how are you living your, your life right now? So, as you look at those woes, think about what Paul was telling Timothy there. Jesus continues with some more instructions for us to do and live out. Look at verses, verses 27 to 38. It says, But I say to you here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. 
Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For, for even sinners love those who love them. Verse 33, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. I had a lady come in to visit me and she was so excited about getting out there and handing out a tract and sharing the gospel with a friend that she visited with. And as she started trying to tell her about the things about Jesus, her friend really got awkward and, and she felt like she was stung. She really found it hard. And as we talked about it in my office when she left, I found this as I continued my studies by Warren Worsby. And he says this, Jesus assumed that anybody who lived for eternal values would get into trouble with the Lord's, uh, with the world's crowd. Christians are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And sometimes the salt stings. And the light exposes sin. Sinners show their hatred by avoiding us or rejecting us, insulting us, physically abusing us, or suing us. So when you're sharing the Word of God, the words you share, it stings those who are struggling, who know that they're living a sinful life. You are the light of the world. Jesus Christ abides in you. They see that light. Do you remember I shared about that couple who met Pastor Jake in their store and he was trying to sort something out. And when he was trying to get it all sorted out, he said, but out of all of this, I just want you to, I want to make sure you see Jesus in me. You're the light of the world. They see Jesus in you. It will be difficult. And there is a sting from some of them. But we must endure and press on to the higher goal. Jesus goes on to say in verse 34, If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lending, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Verse 36, be merciful just as the Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. That word reward, I decided to do a word search on, on that word reward in the New Testament. And it comes up in 26 different times in different books of the Bible in the New Testament. That highlighted area there. Jesus talks about it and it's mentioned in the, other God, in the other books of the Bible. It's an important word to think about. What, what are you saying here? Your reward is in heaven. Your reward is greater than what you're going through right now. Think about what Jesus is saying. Think about what he wants you to do to change the way you live and look at life. Verse 38 says, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour out into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Wow. But how does this work? How do we do this? Because it's opposite, isn't it, to what you, what you used to, where you live, where you think. It's completely opposite. 
Jesus' instructions to those that hear that you and me to do these things. This will bring glory to God. And by doing them, we must have wisdom to know when to turn the other cheek and when to claim our rights. See, Christian love must exercise discernment. And the Bible talks about that. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and discernment. Those words are in the Bible. You need to ask God. Ask Him for wisdom. You need to understand how to live this out in the right way. And when it's said there, love your enemies. Do good. Bless those who do not deserve it in your mind. Pray for everyone. Do not retaliate. Give to everyone who asks. Give to those that cannot give back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Make a difference with those who do not have. Live out your life that people see Jesus in you. Be merciful because the Father is merciful to you. Do not judge or condemn. Forgive and give. Wow. Why? Because Jesus says your reward will be great and you'll be the sons of the Most High. You see, you would be following His way, His example. He is kind to ungrateful and evil men. This is the way Jesus does it. And now it should be our way as well. He's asking us to apply this to our lives. And remember, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Jesus promises you'll be sons of the Most High if you do this. You will not be judged if you are not judged. If you do not judge, sorry. You will not be condemned if you do not condemn. You will be forgiven if you forgive. You will receive more than you can handle if you give. I, lo- I just love this description emphasizing abundance here. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Wow. In Africa, when the Africans come to get grain, when I was growing up, they'd come with this big brown sack. And they want to fill this up with grain. So they'd come to the pipe where you would fill it up, and you'd put some in, and you'd say, Stop. So he'd stop and he would shake his sack and then put his foot in it, press it down and put it under there again. And you'd fill up some more. He'd say, stop, shakes it, puts his foot in, presses it down, get, does it again and again till it's overflowing and then tightens it up. He wants to take as much as he can. He wants to get as much as he can. There's no scales for them. They don't understand why you want to weigh it. He wants to fill it. As much as he can possibly carry. He could, they couldn't understand with us why we said, no, 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 look, it's 50 kilos. That's it. That's all you get. Put it on the scale. His mind couldn't grasp that. You have it, give it. And I got to take as much as I can to my family to feed him. And he presses down and shakes that sack and tries to figure out how he's going to carry that. That's what Jesus is saying here. Yeah, if you follow this, if you trust him, you follow him. Oh my goodness. And I, I can't give you the answer how he does it. I, don't, I still haven't figured it out. But you just have this wow. How did you do that, Lord? How have you been able to do this? It's up to you and I. And Jesus is saying, For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in heaven. That's what I saw with these 
people I worked with in Africa. I was trying to weigh it and just give him that. And he's saying here, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in heaven. When they give to you, they, they give as much as they've got. It is your choice to believe this and apply it to your life, to make these changes, to just do it. You have seen what it is written in the Word of God. You have heard what Jesus has instructed, has promised. Some of these promises are future promises, of course. But you're still, he's still saying, build up these rewards. I have no idea what they will be in heaven. But that's there, he's promised. If you will follow Jesus, trust him. Let him be your first love above everything. Obey his word. You will see God's fingerprints all over your day, all over your life. Wherever you go, you will see his fingerprints. We know God keeps his promises too. We've seen that as we're reading through the Bible over and over. He's keeping his promises. So start living the way God is instructing us here. Start applying these. And you know, it is a lot to take in here this morning. It's even a lot if you were reading it by yourself. Stop. Take one of the verses and say, you know what, let's try and do this one. And let's do it this week. And go to the next one. And say, God, bring someone around me, people around me, a family around Those that you're having difficulty, tell them, you know what? I need to tell you, I forgive you. I really do. And I am sorry I've been judging you. Start looking at those verses because he says, be happy, be blessed. Let's pray. Father, this is not easy to follow. And to now change and adapt to this way of living, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we, uh, we, I know all of us desire to see the wow, and, but we're held back with the how. How does this all work? How do you do it? Lord, empower us to do your will so that we can see your fingerprints in our lives. Teach us to live this way. You have set before us today a number of verses there that you have asked us to change, to adapt into our lives so that you may be glorified and your Son seen in us as we live them out each day. Lord, help us to make you known. Help us to look around and see those this week and reach out to them. Guide us, give us wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, and the discernment to go about this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.